Welcome to the Rolling Hills Community Church Sermon Podcast. Before we moved into the warehouse and expanded to multiple campus locations, Rolling Hills met in a movie theater. And now we're visiting the movies once again in our series, At The Movies. Whether it be a hero's journey, a villain's downfall, or a fairy tale ending, everyone loves a movie with a good story. But every good story borrows from God's story. In this series, we're looking at five different movies to see how we can find faith stories in film. Now let's tune in. Man, y'all needed popcorn for that one. That was a, I felt a little longer than when I, when I was watching it in preparation. So, uh, hey, if you have your Bibles, uh, John chapter 1, uh, verses 43 through 51 is where we're going to be this morning. You want to hold your finger there. We'll get back to it in just a second. As, as we said, and as you just watched, all uh, nine of the um, Star Wars movies, uh, saga there, we, we, we took you through all of them. So now you're up to date. You know all about it. Uh, if, you, if you missed some of it, um, we're not going to watch it again. Uh, not right now. So you can uh, maybe just catch those on Disney Plus or whatever. So uh, just, uh, you know, we said we're, we're in this series called At The Movies. And uh, just to kind of give, again, a 30,000-foot view of why we're doing this series. You know, we said this last week. And just I want to make sure we remind ourselves of this on a week-to-week basis. That first and foremost is the kind of the nod to where we came from. as Not us as Christians, because it has nothing to do with Star Wars. Um, but with us as Rolling Hills, we started in a theater uh, right at 20 years ago. We, we were in a theater for five years, setting up and tearing down. And so it's just kind of that nod to uh, 20 years ago uh, as we started as a church uh, in Franklin there. And secondly, uh, it's really, when we, we, we say it's at the movies, we're not really talking about the movies as much as really what we're saying in, the, in our 20-year anniversary. We want to kind of recalibrate and reset and remind ourselves of, of what our purpose and the vision of the church is. And so we're kind of taking taking the five uh, purposes or the five kind of uh, tenets of the church and saying the, the evangelism, discipleship, community, worship, and ministry, and using film as the illustration, right? Rather, we're not really talking about the movies. The films are just the illustration for these five purposes as the ch- of the church. And this morning, we'll talk about discipleship. We'll get that to in just a second. The third thing and the reason why we use films is, is because, and if we feel comfortable about using this, is because Jesus taught using parables, right? He took from where he was and the people that he was around, and he taught and taught and talked about things that they saw and that they understood that were culturally relevant to them. And so we, we, look about, we look at movies. I'm not saying it's a one-to-one, that Star Wars is a parable, and I don't think that it's a parable, but I think that we can take from the movies and find these lessons that are there in them or these, and point to truths that are about who Jesus is. And that kind of leads us to the fourth one is kind of the theological foundation. We said this last week that in Ecclesiastes, it says that God has put eternity on, a, on the hearts of humans, that he made everything beautiful in its time. And he also said eternity on the hearts of humans. And so as God is, is the creator, he's the only one who created things, all things that we see and taste and touch and hear and smell, all of those things were created by him and for him. And us as his creators can't help but be creative in different ways. And so when we see creative things, what we see is evidence of God the creator. And we said this last week, and, and one, one author and theologian, Francis Schaeffer, says that art is a reflection of God's creativity and evidence, and evidence that we are made in the image of God, and we display that image in our creativity. 
And one author about, the, about Star Wars specifically to kind of bridge the gap a little bit here says that though, or through, excuse me, though everything in Star Wars universe is fiction, the, mod, the motives and the, that, that it touches on are all real. The things that they talk about in the movies or the, the, the overarching kind of principles that we see in the movies are all real. In the same way that a fable or a parable might be used to illustrate moral principles, stories like Star Wars paint pictures of profound external and spiritual truths that humans feel, but sometimes have a hard time putting into words. And so if you're following along in your worship guide, the kind of the first point there that we're, as we kind of overarching, especially about this, this week, as we talk about Star Wars is this, this, this is movies. And I would, I would expand this to, to art in general, stories, books, all of those kind of things, art, movies, satisfies the desire, satisfies the desire inside of us to be a part of something bigger. Movies satisfy a desire inside of us to be a part of something bigger. I want to side note real quick. I wrote, the, I wrote that, that line and, and kind of put that together. And then kind of as I was studying and going back over it, I don't really like the word satisfy because I don't believe it satisfies. I think the better word there, if you, if you want to scratch that out with me, you could write awaken or expose. That it doesn't satisfy, it awakens. It exposes in us a desire to be a part of something bigger. And we talk about Star Wars in and of itself, I would, I would say, I, like I, I think back and it's, I, I don't know if this was the first movie that I saw in the theater, but if it wasn't, it was close to the first. Cause I was about four years old when, when Star Wars Return of the Jedi came, came out in theaters in, in 1983. I was right about four years old, May of 1983. And I, I remember going to the theater I remember going to Bon Marche Theater in the, the mall there, the theater that was in the mall in, in Baton Rouge to watch Return of the Jedi. My, my, my parents will pick on me now because I, I didn't say Return of the Jedi. I, what, I, the ling, what I said every time that I was going to see the movie was turning into the Jedi, which maybe was, was what I wanted more than anything else. But I remember sitting in that theater in the 20th Century Fox logo kind of disappearing and then out of, as it, it faded away into that dark screen and in blue appears on the screen, the words, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. And there's this pregnant pause and simultaneously, the music of John Williams swells and the yellow Star Wars comes on the screen. And then this, these words begin to crawl. And I'm four, I can't read them. I still can't read them and keep up with them today. So it doesn't change since then. But it starts crawling across the screen. And then after all of that disappears, the Death Star appears in the, in the left corner of the screen. And this ship slowly takes over the whole screen. And within the first couple of minutes, I mean, it's, it still gives me chills. Within the first couple of minutes of this movie, I'm totally wrapped up. Like it, it, it is, I'm wrapped up in this thing that is so much bigger than me as a four-year-old. I'm so excited. And, it, and it's the, 
this movie, it, it seriously consumed my childhood. I had the toys. I had a friend around the corner who had a treehouse that was, was one of those, those crazy, like, walking things. I don't even know what they're called. This is where you realize that I'm not really, like, a Star Wars nerd. So, like, that, it was, anyway, it was this thing. And we, we, we would, we played Star Wars. I, I had the figurines, I, like, all of the things. Not only did it my, tw- my, my childhood, but in the 20s, when the first, the, the prequels came out, episodes one, two, and three, when they came out, I remember being so excited. I almost got in a fight with one of my friends, Chico, because he wanted to tell me about it because he saw it at midnight and I was hanging out with him. I was like, dude, I will punch you. And, and we didn't come to blows, but, we, but it, was, it was tenuous for a second. I, and, and then when my kids got older, when we had kids and, and we, it felt like every Christmas there was something coming out that was a Star Wars. I mean, it's consumed so much of my life. It's wrapped up into something that's so much bigger. And it could take over way more time because as you, if you do have Disney Plus, I mean, there's so many things that you can watch and so many things to know about the Star Wars universe that I don't know. So if you are like a Star Wars person, I've, I've really kind of gone back and forth as to whether or not I'm going to pick on y'all about like beam me up, Scotty, or, and like, because I know you Star Wars people hate Star Trek and like that would be fun to like really jab at you, but I'm going to leave it alone. Live long and prosper. The, but the... But what I want to do over the next couple of minutes is, is really kind of come back to this and talk about how, if you're, again, if you're following along in your worship guide, the call to discipleship, the call to discipleship, to follow Jesus, to be a follower of Jesus is an invitation to a life that is infinitely bigger than anything that we can imagine. That if movies and art awakens in us a desire, awakens in us this desire to be a part of something bigger, that the call to discipleship, the call to be with Jesus and follow Jesus is an invitation to a life that is infinitely larger than anything that we can imagine. And ultimately, the satisfaction that our hearts are longing for. And this is where those desires, again, where, where those desires for, those, for our heart to be satisfied is found. And so I want to read John chapter, chapter 1, verses 43 through, 40, or 43 through 51. This is the word of the Lord. It says this, that the next day Jesus decided to leave Galilee, leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. And Philip, like Andrew and Peter, were from the town of Bethsaida. And Philip found Nathanael and told him, we found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from Nazareth? Nathanael Nathaniel asked. Come and see, said Philip. And when he saw Nathanael approaching, Jesus said to him, here truly is an Israelite with whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. And Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still sitting under the fig tree before Philip called you. And then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God, the king of king, the king of Israel, excuse me. And Jesus said, you believe because you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. And then he added, truly, I tell you that you will see heaven open and angels, angels of God descending, ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you for this morning. And God, we do thank you for stories. 
And we thank you that stories are not the end. They're not the end and of themselves. God, they point us to you. They stir in us. They awaken and expose in movies or great books that we read or, or plays that we see or art that we take in and all the different forms. God, they expose in us a desire for something bigger, to be a part of something bigger. They remind us of you being the creator and the creative one that, that made all things beautiful and that in small ways, God, we see you in the things that you allow us to create because they point us to you as the creator. And God, I pray that as the rest of the time this morning, as we walk through and, and, and think about this passage and what you want, to, want us to learn about discipleship and how we can learn from the, the things that we see in, the, in this movie that we mo many of us love and have loved for years and years, God, I pray that you would open our eyes to see the beauty of your word, stir in our hearts a greater affection for you that leads to deeper faith in you and obedience to you. In Christ's strong and mighty name that we pray. Amen and amen. There's four things that I want to cover this morning as we kind of walk through. Four, two that are kind of main points and then the last two that we'll just kind of fly through uh, as we close up. But the four things that I want to cover in the beginning is this. The first one is this, that discipleship is a journey with a beginning but no end. That discipleship is a journey with a beginning and no end. We're going to talk a little bit about this, why the, the journey and, and what, it, what I mean by the journey has no end in a second. We'll kind of get to that actually just right at the end or right at the end of this point. But the, the, the beginning of the journey, the fact that it has a beginning is something that I really want to address. And I want to address it because I think that, real honestly, if we don't address it, then, then, then we can get confused. It can kind of be the reasons why, like, the non-Star non Wars people kind of find Star Wars people weird because they started in the middle of the story, right? You, if you don't know that, that, the, that the first one that was released in 1977 was actually episode four rather than episode one, which is really, I mean, it's, I don't, I don't know, I don't understand all that, but... George Lucas, I'm sure he's smarter than I am. We'll just move on. But, but if we don't start with the beginning, the fact that it is a journey that has a beginning, then we miss out on the reality that we don't get in the journey, that we're not a part of the journey unless we actually start. And this is what I mean. There is a beginning to the journey. We don't end up here on accident. We don't piggyback with somebody else that's a part of the journey. Every disciple has their own unique and distinct beginning. If you if we're gonna kind of watch Star Wars and kind of think about this, if you've watched it, what you know is that in, in the movies, it, there's a point that Obi-Wan Kenobi, right, this Ben Obi-Wan Kenobi, he meets this young man, Luke Skywalker, and he invites him to be a part of or to, to follow him. And that's the beginning of the story. Now, I know if you are a, a Star Wars person that, that there's some things that I'm missing, right? So just leave me alone. It'll be okay. But, but the reality is he begins the journey, Right, there's some, we, we know that he was a Jedi from the very beginning and all those things, but he has a beginning in the journey. He begins when Obi-Wan invites him to be a part of that. And we look, we read John chapter 1, and Jesus is calling his disciples, and, and he, he, he calls them to join him. He asks Philip to join him, and Philip joins him, and then Philip goes and he talks to Nathaniel and Peter and, and Andrew, their brothers, and, and they've already joined Andrew first, and then he goes and finds Peter and invites him to be a part of it, and he meets him, and then, and then Philip goes and finds Nathaniel, and he comes, and they, they become, they, they join Jesus in this discipleship journey. There was a moment that they joined it's a beginning of the discipleship journey, and this is what I'm getting at is this. 
that you're not a disciple of Jesus because you're around other disciples. You're not a disciple of Jesus because you know about Jesus. You're not a disciple of Jesus because you know about being discipled or what, it, what discipleship is. Being, being a disciple of Jesus isn't passed on genetically. You don't get it because your parents were disciples, because your grandparents were disciples of Jesus, because they follow Jesus. It's not about proximity. It's not about what you have done or haven't done. It's not how much you know about Jesus or don't know about Jesus. It, it, it has nothing to do with where you've been or where you haven't been. A discipleship journey is when you put your faith in Jesus. It, it all comes down, every beginning of a discipleship journey comes down to, to God's good news and you and I trusting in God's good news. If you don't have a copy of this, we have some at the, at the Next Steps table as you exit, but it's just, a, it, it walks through what the gospel is. What the, what the truth of the gospel is and, and the fact that Jesus has invited us, us who have sinned and rebelled against him when for far off, he's come to us and invited us to be a part of his, to be his children, to be a part of this journey with him. That he is the one, when we recognize, what happens is we recognize that, that, that God, is, God is who he is. He's holy and righteous and that sin separates us from him and that that sin has to be dealt with and we try in various ways, but we can't fix it. But ultimately what happens is that Jesus fixed it for us. That Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And he came before us. And when we acknowledge our sin and put our trust in Jesus and we, 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 we repent of our sin, put our faith in Jesus, then he rescues us. And that, that gap between us and God is, is filled by him and we get to have a relationship with him. And that's the beginning of a discipleship journey. It has nothing to do with who you were or who you were not. It doesn't matter if your grandmother was a, was a believer or a follower of Christ. The fact is that if, without you coming to a place where you say you're following Jesus, you're not a disciple. And every discipleship journey has a beginning, a place where we put our faith in him. We've got to recognize that before we move on. And, and one of the things that, that I think is interesting is we kind of think about this and just, you know, maybe, maybe you're, I don't, I'm not sure where all of us are, but the reality is that if you haven't, if you're, if you're maybe on the cusp or you don't know about whether or not you've made that step or not, and maybe you know a lot about it, but you've never really placed your faith in Jesus, I want to tell you this, that, that you're going to be, we are all going to be discipled by someone or something. It, it, it's whether it's, it's people that we're around where they're going to disciple us. They're going to lead us and teach us the ways that life, I, that when I was a young man, before I trusted Christ for salvation, there was a kid in my neighborhood that whether he knew it or not, he was discipling me on what it looked like to live life. I listened to what Brad Kinnett said and I did what he told me to do. He was a little bit older and I did what he told me to do. I was a disciple of this young man, some good, some bad, but I, dis, I was discipled by him. It wasn't an agreement that we made as, as young boys with, with a treehouse in his backyard. He didn't have the Star Wars thing. It was a different way. But, it, but, but I learned from him. And later on in my life, there, there were places, there were people, but there was also things, culture, the economy, money began to be, disciple me as what mattered. Entertainments disciples me as what mattered. We're going to be discipled by someone or something. And the reality is that we have to choose to be discipled by Jesus. We can passively walk through this life and end up in places that are far from him. But if we're going to be a disciple, it's a journey that has a beginning where we put our faith in him. 
And lastly, it's a lifelong process. Before we move on to the second thing, it's a lifelong process. It has no end. On this side of heaven, it has no end. That God is always shaping and molding us into his image. He's making us look more and more like him. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, it says this, And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, meaning we see who God is and we, we see all of who he is and his, the, the curtain has been pulled back so we understand our sin and we see him as much as he reveals himself to us. We're being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the spirit. Meaning we more and more, this is the process of becoming more like Jesus, is a process of, be, of being sanctified is the big word. And we were justified by Christ and now we're being sanctified by Christ when we enter in this relationship more and more as a disciple of Jesus. There's a lifelong journey of becoming more and more like him, which leads us to the second main thing. That a disciple is a process of becoming who we are. The discipleship is a process of becoming who we are. I know that sounds a little bit weird. But let me explain. Really, this, this conversation, the kind of the second, second point of discipleship is a, is a process of becoming who we are, really is a, is a conversation about identity. And it's one of my favorite conversations, but we don't have enough time to really flesh all of it out. But I want to hopefully kind of give us a little bit of an understanding and, and begin with a Star Wars illustration. And, and this is, when we go to... Uh, if he, or, not to Ephesians, sorry. When we go to episode four, right? Remember, that's the first one that came out in 1977. Again, this is where the Star, non-Star Wars people think that all the Star Wars people are crazy. And you Star Wars people who are pushing up your glasses and rolling up your sleeve and ready to fight, don't chill out. Um, it's, it, you know, A, uh, we don't need you to get beat up. The secondly, um, Lucas's daughter is an MMA fighter and she's got it handled, okay? So we don't need you to, uh, we don't need you to defend George Lucas and his honor. But the reality is for, for when we look at George, when we look at this, this, this movie, this episode four, that Luke, in episode four, Luke Skywalker meets Obi-Wan and he begins this Jedi, this Jedi journey. And Obi-Wan begins to train him to be a Jedi. He teaches him to be a Jedi. He's teaching him to trust the force is what he says. And we'll, he says those over and over. Luke is, but, but when this happens... In the, in, the, in the fourth episode, in, in The New Hope, I think is the name of the, the film, that, that, that initial one that comes out, when he's teaching him, training him to be a Jedi, he is already a Jedi. I know you're like, God, your glasses are so tight on your forehead. You're just such a nerd. I get it. But he's already a Jedi when he's training him to be a Jedi. When he's, when he's teaching him what he's going to do and how he's going to live and, and teaching him how to trust the force and all those things, Luke is already technically a Jedi. And Luke, later on, he, he, he leaves the teaching of Obi-Wan. He disappears and then all this. And in episode five, he meets, Je, he meets the Jedi goat, Master Yoda, and becoming a Jedi he is. That's, I, I, yeah, I thought I wasn't going to do that, and then it happened. So he, he, he's still, he's becoming a Jedi. And by the end of that, when he's, when he's being trained by, by Master Yoda, right, he's becoming a Jedi, but he's still becoming who he already is. And as you, as you fast forward early, he doesn't really understand all of what it is to be a Jedi. He doesn't understand the force and how to use it and blah, 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 blah. But by the end, in episode nine or eight and nine, all the way at the end, he's more powerful as a Jedi than we can even begin to understand. Some of the things that you saw in that clip, he's crazy. And I know it's not real. I know it's not real. 
But the whole time he was becoming who he already is. And listen, this is what I mean. Let's go to scripture. John chapter one, verse 12, it says, yet to all, yet to all who did receive him, those who believed in his name, meaning Jesus, he gave the right to become children of God. First John chapter three, verse one, it says, see, that his, see what great love the Father has lavished on us that we could be called children of God. And that is what we are. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, it says this, that, But you were, you were a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you, might, that you may believe, or excuse me, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of the darkness into the wonderful light. Listen, if you're a disciple of Jesus, this is who you are. You're a child of God. You're a royal priesthood. You belong to him. The old has passed away. In, 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 in scripture, it tells us that, uh, that, the, that we've gotten a new heart, that, that, he's, that the heart of stone has been taken from us and we've been given a heart of flesh, that we've been given new life in Jesus. That is who we are. And the process of discipleship is becoming who we already are. And that changes the game. Because no longer are we on the outside trying to get in. No longer are we fighting to become something that we don't think that we are. No longer are we, are we hiding, thinking at any minute somebody may expose the fact that we don't really match up to what we say we are. The reality is that God has changed us from the inside. He's made us new. You are a child of God. And you don't necessarily know all the things about what that means today. None of us do. But more and more we're becoming who God has already made us to be. We're not fighting to be something that we're not. We're becoming who God has already declared us to be. And he's called us to follow him. And when I became a disciple of Jesus, he made me a new creation. He adopted me and made me his child. And this whole process is a process of becoming who he's called us to be. It's a process, and just a couple of things that will make you just kind of run through a quick. It's a process that calls for a commitment, a commitment and a response that takes effort, right? It's, it, it, God's will, what God has for us is not hidden. It's not elusive. It's not out of reach, but it does take effort. He's called us. We have to respond to him when he's called us, the way he's called us to respond. In, in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, it says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper, proper worship. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That you may be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. It's a process of, 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 of effort. That we're, it's a commitment to effort and, and saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give my life to you and I'm going to follow you the way that you've called me to follow you. I'm going to turn away from the things that are not what you've called me to and I'm going to lay my life down to follow you. And it's a commitment that calls for time. Time in, in the word with God, time with God in, time with God in the word, time with God in prayer. It, discipleship journey is not an overnight journey. It's time over time. It's small blocks of time over time. Uh, um, not Andrew Peterson, his, his name, uh, 
uh, Pastor Peterson, I can't remember his first name off the top of my head, whatever, he, he calls it a long obedience in the same direction. It's time over time. And so it's a commitment that calls for time. It's a commitment that, that, that calls for, for others. If we're going to be who God desires us to be, we're going to have to be around people who are pouring into us, for our kids to be who God desires them to be, for our wife, for your wife to be who you, God desires her to be, for your husband to be who God desires him to be, for the students to be who God desires them to be. We're going to have to be around people who are pouring into us and that we're also pouring into that we, and that's a commitment to worship, worshiping with others, commitment to community with others where we live life together in small groups and serving others. It's a process of, of commitment or a process and commitment to resting in Jesus, to resting in Jesus. In his dying breath, Yoda tells Luke, he says, remember that the Jedi's strength comes from the force, Jesus in his final days, final hours with the disciples tells this, tells them this in John chapter 15, remain in me and I in you. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Resting in him because he is our source of strength. He is our peace. He is our joy. The last two things, and we're just gonna close with these two, is the discipleship moves us towards deeper faith in and love for Christ, resulting in obedience to Christ and his word. Discipleship, this journey, it moves us towards a deeper faith, a deeper trusting in Christ and love for Christ that results in obedience to Christ. This is not about knowledge. Discipleship's not about knowledge. It's not about sitting in a, in a, in a, in a Starbucks with a Beth Moore book because Jesus didn't do it that way. Note to, note to self, if, you, if that's the way that you think you have to be discipled is reading a book in a coffee house with somebody else, that's not the way Jesus did it. They didn't have coffee houses. It's not about knowledge. It's not about the ways that we, it's about attaching ourselves to others and, and, and following him and over time growing in faith, growing in love that results in obedience to him. Discipleship, the fourth thing, discipleship ultimately leads disciples to an understanding of the call to make disciples. It ultimately leads to a call, to understanding of the call to make disciples. Discipleship journey is not complete until we're making disciples, until we're passing it on to the next generation. Again, Master Yoda, that sounds so weird to say from here, I'm sorry. He says this, he says, pass on what you have learned. He's talking to, to Luke in, in, the, in the, I think the fourth or the fifth, the fifth or the sixth. He says, pass on what you've learned, strength, mastery, yes, but weakness, folly and failure also. Yes, failure most of all, the greatest teacher is failure. Luke, we are what, we, what they grow beyond. This is the true burden of every master. And this week in our daily steps, if you're, if you're following along in daily steps, we read Psalm 78, I think it was Monday morning, it's a, or Tuesday morning, it says this, that we will not hide them, meaning the teachings, the stories of God from their descendants. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power and his wonders that he's done. 
We're not gonna hold it to ourselves. We're gonna share it with the next generation because truly to understand discipleship, to truly understand what it means to be a disciple, a journey that has a beginning and no end, that's growing and becoming more of who we are, ultimately in, in love for him, faith in him that moves us towards obedience to him and his word because he says, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. That the full measure of that is when we begin to share that with others and make disciples ourselves. Maybe that's in your home, maybe that's with your neighbors or coworkers, but it's this calling that it, it, it's not to be left to us, it's to be passed on to the next generation. And if you, this is not in your, in your worship God, but as, as we kind of think about this, that this journey that we're on is always a journey that cries out for God and for him and, and, and our understanding of just how desperately we need him. So I'm gonna invite the band to come back up and we're just gonna sing uh, one song just as a response and just, because the reality is that when we talk about discipleship and what it is, what, what, what discipleship is and all those things that we kind of pointed to, the reality is that if those things are going to happen in our lives, if we're gonna enter in this relationship with him and grow into who he's, who he's called us to be and he's declared us, declared that we are, it's going to be because we, declare, we, we say to him over and over, God, I need you. Lord, I need you today more than I needed you yesterday. I need you this hour more than I needed you last hour. I need you this minute more than I needed you last minute. We're never getting to a point in our relationship with Jesus where we're independent from him. That's never the call. We're always dependent on him. As we enter in the gospel, we needed him for salvation and we need him for every step of the way. We never get past the gospel. We never get past this relationship with him. And so I'm gonna ask you to stand and we're just gonna sing in just a time of, of reflection and response and just this crying out to the Lord, Lord, I need you. And I pray that it's more than just a song with words on the screen. I pray that it's the prayer of your heart to say, Lord, I need you to become the person that I am. I need you. And maybe it's, Lord, I need you because I've never entered in this relationship with you at all. And if that's you, as we sing this song and you need to have a conversation with somebody, I'd love to have a conversation with you after the service is over. I'll be at the next steps table. I'd love to talk to you about what it means to take that next step in a relationship with Jesus. But let's pray and then let's sing together and then we'll close in just a moment. Jesus, we thank you that you came to make a way where there was no way. God, we had no hope. But you came and made a way and you invited us into a journey that's bigger than anything that we can imagine. A journey that truly does satisfy the longings in our heart to be a part of something bigger. And what could be bigger than being a part of the family of God? A God who is infinite and eternal and all-powerful and all-knowing sovereign over all things. God, let our cry in this moment be, I need you. Let it rise from a depth of understanding that we truly do have no hope without you. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast. Share this episode with movie lovers, friends, and family in your life. Make sure you subscribe to be notified so you never miss a sermon. If you're interested in learning more about Rolling Hills, download our Rolling Hills app, 
follow us on social media, or visit our website at rollinghills.church. The Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast is a part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network, available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Thanks for tuning in.